0: another episode of the Dog Tales podcast. Thank you. And I'm here with a gorgeous young woman by the name of Jevon, who is the manager at the Beach House in Barwon Heads on the surf coast. And today we also have with us gorgeous little Chili, who is a purebred Italian Chihuahua. And she is tiny and she's just the sweetest little dog in the world. Now, we couldn't kind of sneak your other dog in, Denver, who's a... Purebred Australian
1: Kelpie. How old's Denver? Denver's two and a half. Yeah. He's just a bit big to come in and out and play. Yeah. For an interview.
0: Whereas Tilly's probably, I don't know, maybe the size of two coffee cups. And I'm serious, that's about it. Yeah, About that. About that. About that. I met Devon when I was here in Barwon Heads. My daughter and I were just walking along the street and Devon come around the corner with Chili just sneaking along the footpath and I could not believe how tiny she was. Anyway, of course, we stopped and had a cuddle and just had a chat and the interaction was sensational. And so we're here today to have a chat about a lot of dog things and like things. And yeah. That's cool. So tell me, how long have you have been here at the Beach House managing?
1: So it's funny, when I met you, I'd only been here a few weeks. So I think I've only been here six and a half, nearly seven weeks. So it's still very fresh here as the venue manager and being a part of the Barwon Heads community. Um, but it just feels right. Yeah, coming out here feels like like I feel like I'm supposed to be here, yeah. which has been really nice. And I'm loving getting to know all of our locals and interactive people. It's been, been a fun couple of months so far. One of the things that probably
0: really attracted me was your gorgeous smile. It's like <laughs> you glow. Seriously, you just glow. And there's just something really special about who you are and how you present to the world. And so, yeah, that's kind of put us in this spot today yeah
1: absolutely and it's funny you mentioned that because for so long I didn't have a glow okay But like my glow this glow this like part of myself that I am now who I'm really proud of just wasn't wasn't around for this this is new this is fresh for me as well it just took so long for me to find my footing in the world and to find my glow so I I really appreciate that you've acknowledged that about me
0: yeah wow that's cool clearly you're a lover of all things furry (laughs) absolutely so have you always had dogs
1: I yeah I always grew up around dogs so my parents are separated and they both I had a dog at both houses um but my like my boy was a Rottweiler that my parents my mum and my stepdad got I was 12 we just moved house and um yeah, we got a got a Roddy and we had him for 10 years and he was with me through the toughest years of my life. Okay. He was just my baby, my rock. Like he loved me. Every time I'd leave the house, mum would send me photos and he'd be laying on my bed. Like we just had this really unique bond yeah. and he was like my first best friend and I will always love him. Like he's he was my first baby, my, my little bestie boo.
0: They appear
1: sometimes
0: to be quite stern dogs but mm-hmm. as I've spoken with other people about the Rottweilers, their nature is just beautiful.
1: Oh, it's insane. I grew up, when we had Odie, when we got him, my three sisters, my oh, I have three older sisters and they were still in the picture, and they, the four of us used to walk the dog together And it was like he was just out in front, like in protection mode. And it wasn't like he was going to attack anyone. It was almost like he was proud and these were his four girls. And we, you know, everyone knew who we were when we walked around the place because we were well-known within the community. We were big within the local sporting clubs. Um, And everyone knew who we were without Rottweiler. We wouldn't go anywhere without our Rottweiler. Everyone loved him.
0: I can imagine if anyone thought they were going to uh, cause havoc for any reason, he would have stepped in
1: It's funny, he had a really good judge of character, like door knockers, some he'd be okay with and others he would like his stance would be on and he knew. Yeah. We once had the CFA come to our house and do a door knock, and we're very big on supporting the CFA. Um, the CFA once saved my mum's life. So we're very big on supporting them. And three um, three fireys came in the truck, pulled in our driveway, two got out and he would not let the third one get out of the car. It was just like a judge of character and he was just like, no, you, you're not supposed to be here. But the other two got out, we interacted with, we donated, we helped them like, but, yeah, just one and Odie just knew. Not no Man. absolutely not. Yeah, he was just such a good judge of character, that dog.
0: They are so cool. Oh I insane. love that. I mm. just love that. They know more and they're they're quicker to be intuitive around that. Oh yeah. Often than what humans are.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. He was he was onto it. And he knew it was it was even down to I remember being like maybe thirteen or fourteen and my eldest sister was like 18, 19. And she'd bring boys home mm-hmm. to meet the family. And some would be, like, straight through the door and others would be like, Odie would just have not a bar of it. He'd be like, absolutely not. You're not coming in the house. Who are you? Like, yeah. It was. Um. He was a very good judge of character, very good judge of character. Yeah. That boy. So how long did you have him for, did you say? We had him for 10 years and he um, he ended up getting cancer in his bones, in his front legs, and it's, it's actually quite a unique end to his life and it's something I'll never forget. I hold it very close to my heart. I was still living at home with my parents at the time. I was 20, what would I have been, 22, 23. It was just before I moved down to the Ballerine. And he got cancer and I we lived in a house that was split level. So the back half of our house was split level and I lived in the bottom level. Um, I had like a little self-contained area down there. And Odie couldn't get up and down the stairs to the main level of our house. So he just existed. He lived in our backyard and in my bedroom and that was it. He spent the last few months of his life just existing with me and he had his own little spot next to my bed on the floor and I he used to sleep on my pillow so I gave him my pillow for the last few weeks of his life and he'd sleep on his bed yeah right down next to me and the last night we knew we had to get him put down and it was awful like it was oh, awful yeah. but he knew it was like he oh, I'm going to get emotional he knew that it was going to be the last night of his life and he jumped up on the bed next to me which is something he hadn't done in months because he couldn't; his legs just couldn't. And he jumped up on the bed next to me, and he spent all night, and he lay with me all night long, mm. and we had him put down the next day, and it was the most beautiful thing. Like, it was just the best way to spend the last night of his life.
0: Wow, oh,
1: that's but he was so special to me, so special. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah It leave. was. It was like he knew. He knew that he was leaving, and he knew he wanted to spend that like last night with me. Yeah, and um. Yeah, we did, and it was really beautiful.
0: They just leave such a hole. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> Sorry. Fishing could, for a tissue that, now. That could
1: be a mum tissue. Oh, I don't that, know. It's so fun. Any <laughs> tissue is good. I just love my dog. I've never forgotten that. It was just the most beautiful thing. He, he just knew. He knew that yeah. he was leaving Earth the next day.
0: Wow. Yeah. They do leave a big hole, don't they? Oh, crazy. And, look, as you're just... A little bit teary at the moment. <laughs> Young Chilly here is just looking up, wondering what's going on with mum. Oh, yeah. You're having a little snooze and now mummy's a bit Mummy's a bit emotional. Now, look, I just have to add in here, when I met Chilly that day, Chilly was so tiny <laughs> that she was in a sock with the end cut
1: off. <laughs> as so, a little jacket. Yeah. The day I picked her up, I really wanted to pop her in something because she was a bit, well, she was chilly. She was cold. Nothing fit her. Absolutely nothing fit her. So we went to the $2 shop and we got a pair of pink socks with purple eggplants on them and we cut the end off and cut some little armholes in and that was that. was That That was that. Now she has her little sock jumper that she wears. It's a bit tight on her now. She has grown a little bit. It was a children's <laughs> sock. So Well, that's what she had on the day that I met her. It was just so sweet. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah, so cute.
0: What happened for you after that time as far as... Moving forward, did you get another dog after that time?
1: I think everything changed at that point. I have a very rough background at home with my family and I think losing that rock in the home really made me realise that where I was wasn't a great situation. Yeah. I didn't have that support anymore. Yeah. So I got out. I, I moved out. I actually moved in with um, my high school best friend's family. They had previously taken me in on many occasions when I would had issues at home and they always had Dobermans. And so their mum, Amanda, who is like, my mum. She's the most beautiful, inspiring woman. I just, I adore her. She's done so much for me. She always had show Dobermans. She's got Australian champions and she's always had Dobes. She's bred them. They had one Dobe and she passed away. And then I was sort of around in that period. But when I moved back in with them, they had just got another one. And her name is Lex. And she became like my Odie. Okay. I would come home and, like, the boys would be out working on their cars or, you know, everyone would be doing their own thing. You'd find me with Lex every single time. As soon as I got home, it was go home, have a shower, get changed, play with Lex. It's like she became my little bestie while I went through some really intense
0: stuff. Do you know they don't, they don't judge? They don't say, oh, you're having a shit day so yeah. I'm going off somewhere else now. You can deal with this on your own. Mm. They're just there. They, they just don't know. ask questions. They're just there, aren't they? That's
1: it. That's it. And having that dog to come home to, like even now Lex is still around and I haven't seen them in a very long time but every single time Lex sees me or hears my voice, she knows exactly who it is. And it is just so special because she got me through some some shit. Like she just, yeah.
0: They're very intuitive or very you watch them and
1: they're like
0: really watching people and tuning into stuff.
1: Yeah, dobes in particular, they're very, very in tune with what's going on. And female dobes are very maternal, very, like they have that maternal, that really protective over their family and like those people that are really close within their lives. And I've been so blessed to always be on the outskirts of that. Lex has always protected me and and had that sort of defence and that maternal thing with me as well. So I've been very lucky in that regard. But, yeah, she was my, my next dog when I moved on and in with that family. And then once I moved out of there, it took me a long time to get a dog again. Okay. A long time, like five years.
0: Sure. Yeah. And was that by choice that you didn't get another dog? or?
1: I think it was a big part of it was situational. Sure. Going from house to house and not really knowing where my place in the world was, was very hard for me. I had a passion to be within the civil construction industry. I wanted to work in the production manufacturing side, in sales, I wanted to be in that sort of corporate side. Every business I worked for, I just couldn't break that mould of the male-dominated industry. Yeah, okay. It's a tough gig in construction, isn't it? It is, and I think it's hard. Like I'm five foot tall, I have red hair, and I'm very outspoken, and I know I'm—I know what I'm passionate about at the end of the day. Yeah. I know what I'm passionate about, and when I, I have that passion and that drive, I want to learn everything. And I'd always worked in hospitality on the side, but those five years between then and now were so tough and I went from job to job and I just tried to find my footing in an industry that didn't want me there. I was so hell-bent on breaking that barrier that I feel like I lost myself and I tried to change who I was. Okay. And in that moving around and having family issues and losing family members and um, struggling with relationships with people, no time was right. I knew that I wasn't going to be a good dog parent mm-hmm. and it just wasn't fitting to mm. have a dog. I didn't have the house situation. I didn't have the flexibility, the the hours outside of work to spend with a dog. Yeah. So it just didn't fit. And I think having that insight
0: mm. is really important because sometimes people, when you're in those that mindset the thing you want is a dog there to be oh, everything absolutely. for you but to every then, day of the week yeah, yeah but then to have the insight to know that that's not okay yes yeah. that benefits your dog oh greatly you can't have them and just keep them in the yard and never no. spend any time and then people wonder why they get angry and dig and all that but you have to be able to put that
1: yeah that's it you want to be proactive attention. it's like having kids it's just like having kids honestly like my life when I got dogs became about them and not about me I had to make sure I was up in the morning to take them for walks and I'm home at a reasonable hour so that I can do things I stopped going out and staying at people's houses because all I wanted to do was come home to my dogs getting Denver was a very impulsive decision and Mm -hmm. one that I do not regret at all
0: yeah so that
1: was (coughs) two and a half years ago you said two and a half years ago so he was born in March of 2020 I had inquired with a breeder out in Port Campbell about getting a working dog I'd always wanted a working dog my friend had them he um showed them he used to do like a trials with them out Mm -hmm. on farms and all sorts of stuff and I was like that is a world I want to be in like that that was something that I was really passionate about wanting to do so I'd inquired with a breeder of working dogs out in Port Campbell and I wasn't supposed to be getting a puppy until November which gave me I think at the time I inquired in February so it gave me a good 10 months to sort of figure out my footing and and get a house set up and all that sort of stuff. She called me one day very randomly in May and said, I have a puppy that no one's picked up. The guy that wanted him and now wants an Australian Shepherd doesn't want a Kelpie. Do you want him? And if you do, you can have him for $1,000 today. And I just went, oh, that's that's a big decision to make. Um, <laughs> but off I trotted in the car, went straight to the bank, grabbed cash out, and hit the road. And I <laughs> yeah. of course you did. And I just started seeing a girl at the time. I'd only just come out as a lesbian, as gay, and yeah. a part of that community. And she was like, You're crazy, don't get a dog. Okay. And I just went. I'm not going to let anyone tell me what I can and can't do. And if this is what I want, this is what I'm going for. And I've always been the same way. Mm -hmm. And I got down there and I had a look at him and it was just love at first sight. He was just delicious. He was like a little black potato with legs and I just fell in love. And I took him home with me and I took him straight to my best friend's house in Ballarat. And I stayed there the night with my friend. And we played with a puppy and it just felt right and it felt like there was a hole in my heart that I'd filled that had been gaping wide open for so long. And, of course, then we ended up in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't take Denver out onto the farm and train him and trial him and get him on sheep and do all that sort of stuff. It just wasn't an option for me at the time. I was able to still work throughout the COVID period because I was running my own business with my cousin. What was your business? So we had a business, we had a cleaning business and a plumbing business. I ran the cleaning side of things and we did specialised cleaning, which was crime scenes, meth labs, hoarder housing from full on. But we were based Victoria White. So I drove all over Victoria throughout the COVID period. We did all that. I did cleaning for um, just general house cleaning as well for the disabled and the elderly. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a really big part of what I did throughout COVID, just helping people who were high risk. So I still managed to work the entire pandemic, which I'm very grateful for. I know a lot of people didn't have that luxury, but I was grateful that I still had work. The only downside to that was that I just didn't have as much time to spend with my puppy as everyone else got to spend with their puppy. Yes, but because that was a real thing. It wasn't really. These thing. last couple of years, everyone yeah, had time with their puppy. With their dog. I spent a lot of time at home with Denver mm-hmm. when he was a puppy. And he would stay at home with my housemates while I wasn't there. Loved it, still like got his puppyhood, if yeah. you will. But I just didn't have like the time on weekends to go and train him or do agility training or anything like that because my job was a 24-7 job. I was always on call any time of day or night if something happened. Like we did flood relief as well. So if anyone had a flood in the middle of the night, it was straight to the shed, pick the van up and off I go to do water remediation. So crime scenes and stuff as well. Yeah, so we did unattended death scenes, crime scenes, domestic violence scenes, things like that. So this the- is
0: after the investigation and then you go in and do the clean? Correct, yeah. So all the police work and everything's been done by then? Yeah.
1: So a common misconception about crime scene cleaning is that you're hired by the police. To some degree and depending on the extent of what's occurred at the scene, the police will bring you in. There are certain organisations that they work with but a lot of the time with things like unattended death scenes, so where, you know, elderly family members have passed away and it's not known about for weeks, Mm -hmm. things like that, it's not a police thing. It's a coroner comes in, removes the body and then we are contacted by the family to come in and then complete the clean and the
0: the remediation on the site. I've been in the health industry mm. my full career and you see some pretty hairy things. Yeah, of course. And, you know, I'd never actually thought about that last step in the process of all the steps. No that, one does.
1: That you'd goes, be surprised. Yeah. Even cleaning up meth labs and stuff. Super interesting. Very different to what you'd expect. Meth labs is the worst. Grow houses that um, people create in rentals are relatively easy to work with Mm -hmm. but mess kitchens are a nightmare they're so hard because you just clean and test and clean and test and clean and test to make sure that there's nothing in there because what what's left behind in a cook room can be so damaging to people's health so you have to be really careful and really on the ball doing that how do you test? How does that process work? So there's a few different ways you can do it. We did a number of testing. We did like swab testing, just basic swab testing that you can do in like any vehicle or on a wall, just any surfaces like that. and surfaces, stuff. Yeah, yep. and that's just like a drip test, similar to what a COVID rapid mm-hmm. test is. Mm-hmm. Looks the same, um, but it's for meth. Yeah, and then there's other testing you can do where you sort of use a petri dish and send it off and get everything deeply tested. That's fascinating. Hmm.
0: You often see maybe the police going in or somebody else going in and and never really thought about that process to that degree. The
1: cleaning side of things is very interesting. I was the biohazard girl. My staff never had to deal with anything that was too full on. I would always go in first and do the nitty-gritty, whether it be at a crime scene or in a hoarder housing. Hoarder houses were hard. Hoarder houses were really hard. And that's just...
0: For people listening, that's for people that just hoard in every room. Mm.
1: We did a lot of housing where people experience emotional trauma going into their house and cleaning it like it's not just what you see on tv in hoarders Mm -hmm. going in and having like the time that you spend there developing somebody's trust Mm -hmm. is the biggest thing straight off the bat you have to develop that trust with that person or they're never going to throw anything out Mm -hmm. and they're never going to understand when you say to them i understand this pillow is sentimental to you but it's biohazardous and i have to get rid of it it's a hazard to your health they'll go no it's not i have to keep it so you have to develop that trust Hoarder housing was like the crime scenes, easy because you just go in, cut, and you're out. That's it. Hoarder yep. housing, you're there one on one with the person and you have to develop that trust and you have to tread delicately around their emotions. Often in situations like that, having a counselor there or a psychologist there or someone, uh, a mental health care worker there, isn't an option to have someone sit there with them all day. You take that on board yourself as a part of your job. Most of the time when we go into these houses, I was just a point of liaison. I didn't have my staff, didn't interact with anyone. It was, there was a hierarchy and it was, I come in, I'll do the talking. And the only reason we did that is because it's a lot easier for them to develop a point of trust with one person if they're trying to trust an entire team. It just makes it so hard.
0: Yeah. And it's so confronting because like you just said, for someone who's in that hoarding position, there's... Most times, been an event in their life Correct. that's triggered that hoarding to yes. start, and so emotionally, that's a massive thing. And then to have everyone come in and invade that space, mm.
1: and to watch a people, a, a team of people come in in hazmat suits, yes. in full face respirators with garbage bags, just throwing your possessions—like it is so full on. So it's yeah, it was something that I think that job taught me a lot of empathy, and I I. I pride myself in my empathy for people. I think I've I've lived an interesting walk of life in my 27 years so far, but that job really taught me a lot about the world and about not judging people mm. um, at face value because you just never you, don't know. Know. you don't know you what, don't know just know. and that's the thing you can walk past
0: someone up the street and you don't have a no. clue what's going on in their world. So
1: many of the people that I did work for, to that extent, you just you'd never pick, you'd yeah. never pick that they. We're struggling so deeply internally.
0: And, look, I guess from a paramedic perspective as well, going into a lot of homes, even sometimes you you go into an immaculate home and it all appears mm. on onto the outside world to be just all good mm. roses, but the emotional turmoil that's going in behind that wall is huge. So exactly, yeah. people put those facades up. Yes, and often behind that that is not the case at all. No. So compassion and empathy goes a bloody long way, doesn't oh, it? Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And it was hard to being like obviously young in the industry When it comes to that sort of stuff, I'm just desensitised to it. Like it's second nature for me. At the end of the day, my theory is somebody has to do the work and if I can help someone who doesn't have the capacity to do it because I have the capacity, then I'm so happy to do it. And I'll do that for anyone who walks in off the street and asks me for help. Most of my team were young. A big part of me going in and doing the major biohazardous stuff was to protect my team. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have to expose these young kids to, well, just to that degree of... Um, confrontation if I didn't have to expose them to that then I wouldn't so you just had to tread so carefully with that but I'm very lucky that um my team really trusted me do you think that
0: you know you've briefly spoken about you know a rough upbringing Mm -hmm. do you feel like this is probably a deeper question no please Due to whatever circumstances you've been through, you sort of put yourself as the one in charge and being responsible.
1: Did you feel like you were responsible for your siblings at all? It's an interesting question. I'll break it down. I'm one of seven, but I'm an only child. So I have three older stepsisters, two younger half-sisters and a younger half-brother. But I'm the only one to my biological mother and father. So my older siblings, I lived with my mum and my stepdad my entire life. My older siblings weren't there all the time. It wasn't a matter of me sort of protecting them or feeling like I had to step in. It was more that I didn't have a choice and I was that punching bag for my parents and I was that outlet for them because no one else was there. So I've always had that sort of responsibility and that weight on my shoulders that if I don't cop it, someone else will. So I grew up with that and that was okay. And I've made my peace with that. And coming into being a young adult and having that experience, I don't see it now as if I don't cop it, someone else will. Mm -hmm. Now when I'm exposed to things or if someone's going to be exposed to something I don't feel they need to be, I'm happy to step in and wear that because I have the capacity to handle it, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I have... Done all the right things for myself. I've worked tirelessly on myself. I've done my years of therapy. I've done real intense emotional work on breaking down what happened to me. Wow, that's to get Yeah, to get myself to a point where now, like all my staff, I will tell you, i give them the shirt off my back if they need it. Mm-hmm. Because if I can protect them from being exposed to something or if I can help them through something that they're being exposed to, I'm happy to put myself in the firing line and I'll do it for anyone that I love.
0: In saying that, you've got strong boundaries about caring for yourself now, though? Oh, absolutely. Because sometimes, and I just know this from an ambulance perspective, same sort of deal, you're always in the firing line, Mm. everyone's running away and you're running in. Yeah. And I guess through the years, I've had to learn some pretty harsh lessons about self-care. Where are my boundaries? Where am I self-sacrificing? And when am I in service? And it doesn't matter what your experiences are, whether they're through something that you've been through or through your career. And you sound like you're lucky enough to have learnt that a lot <laughs> earlier than I did, but it's
1: so important to care for yourself. To be honest, I think I'm lucky I've made it to 27. Yeah. And a lot of people that know what I've been through over the years will tell you the same thing. I don't think any of the closest people like within my inner circle have not once said to me, I don't know how you made it through. And I'm really lucky in that regard. It took me a long time to find that sense of self and that self-awareness. Coming out and accepting my sexuality was a big one. Mm -hmm. I did that not long after I moved from the Yarra Valley to the Ballerine. That was the start of that ball rolling of finding my sense of self. I cut my family off Mm -hmm. and I think that's a very important part of this. I cut my family off. They are very much at a distance Mm -hmm. and I only let them in when I want them in. My grandmother is very sick at the moment. Last December they only gave her four, four to six months. She's still here. Amazing. Love that. Honestly, we're 12 months on. She's gone past the used by She's at best before and we're just hoping for best. Yeah. She. Um. <laughs> so the only sort of communication I have with my biological mum at the moment is really around Nan. Yeah. And I don't know what's going to happen afterwards yeah. but... I keep my whole family at a
0: distance. And that's just about, I have no judgment to your family, obviously, because I don't know them, but that's about, you know, toxic behaviours. Oh, absolutely. Have to, you have to put boundaries and care for yourself in that, whatever yeah. that means. And if there's toxic behaviour, sometimes you've just got to move yourself away, don't you, to...
1: Absolutely. And I think I think something that's really important and something I advocate for now is that I did it, I broke away from it. I struggled through it. Mm-hmm. I got Denver in there. I was depressed. It was like the whole COVID thing. There was a lot going on, but I did it. I broke away from it. I'm comfortable with my sexuality now. I have a banging job. Like I love my job. I'm so lucky to be where I am and working with the people I'm working with within a community that I really believe in. Yep. If I can do it, so can other people. Yeah. I, if I can do it and break out of what I broke out of, anyone can do it. Because my family are like not thick as these, but they're the type of people that are will just go because it's what you do, yes. and we'll just walk on eggshells because it's what you do, and we'll just say this because and let that behaviour happen because that's just who they are. I'm not that person. Yeah, I will never be that person. And you know they talk about the black sheep in the family. Maybe you're the redhead in the family. <laughs> I am. I am the redheaded sheep. I have never fit in takes a
0: lot of strength to break away from a paradigm like Ooh. that you're speaking about and it whatever that is in families, mm. you know, that conditioning and that, look, we're the, we're the Smiths or we oh, whoever's, yeah. this is how we do it, you know, depression runs in our family or abuse has always mm. been in there, it's just how it is or whatever, no. to actually stand up and say, no, that's not okay for me, I want something different. It's, it's tough to stand on your own sometimes and be really strong in your own self, your knowing.
1: I crave to break that cycle. Yeah. I All I want to do is be the change that I want to see in the world. That's all I want in life. Like I have spent so long, like the past few years since I've broken away from that, everything has changed. I got so my surname originally was my dad's name and I got rid of it. Yeah. I got rid of it on the anniversary of my best friend's husband's death. It just, we were having a bit of a day and we were sitting down and we lived together. At the time because when her husband died, I, I moved in with her and I helped sort her house out and I loved her husband. He was a beautiful man. He was an amputee mm-hmm. and he was someone who I spent a lot of time with over COVID. He was a high-risk patient and he just couldn't see anyone and couldn't have anyone in the home and I was really his only friend mm-hmm. for two years wow. leading up to his death. And it was the anniversary of his his passing and I was sitting there and I, I just felt a shift and Zach Passing away was so sudden and it shouldn't have happened and it changed everything for me. It just gave me a whole new perspective on life and I had never been happy with my name mm-hmm. and I'm big on names. Like people taking other people's surnames, that's like a legacy you're willing to uphold. You're taking that on board and you're making it your own. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like a representative of what my name was. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I fit into the mould that came with that name. Yeah. And I got rid of it. Changed my life. I'm now just Devon Charlotte. I'm so proud just to be that because that name is going to do big things in the world, even if it's just within a community, even if it goes no further than the ballerine. From what I've seen and the gorgeous
0: energy that you are in, you're already doing that. You've already stepped into
1: yourself. I've really found these changes I wrote a letter and cut my family off and I changed my name and I accepted my sexuality and I met somebody. These little changes, like when I started to come back to the roots of who I wanted to be as a person and that person that I craved to be, that that change in the world, when I started to follow that path and forget about the judgment of others, it just brought something out. It lit a fire in me, absolutely lit a fire in me.
0: Do you feel like you're remembering who you should be yes. in this process? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the, I think during life you talk about like when we're being like conditioned or we fit into other people's judgments or we do this because that they'll think that's okay and I'll mm. be accepted if I go this way. And it's like we pull ourselves so far away from self oh, yeah. that we're totally lost. We don't even know who we are and the more we come back and touch that part of us that is us, our heart and our soul, it's like, oh hi, well you're pretty cool. I've been waiting for you. Or if you want to hang out with yourself. And when you do that, that sense of isolation and loneliness and that big hole in your heart Mm -hmm. as well starts to diminish. It's because we get so far away and to come back and re-remember and start stepping in is just the most
1: incredible thing I reckon you can ever do. The best way I could describe it is If I walk into a room and the room is the life that I'm creating for myself at the moment, I have arrived. I feel like I have finally arrived. I am at the start of my journey and this this self-discovery, like I've got the foundation now, that that really strong foundation, the direction, the roots of who I wanted to be that I lost for so long, I'm back there. Have arrived and I'm like so ready to just take on the world now. It's just been game changing, absolutely game changing. It's just
0: such an inspirational story. You know, so many people spend their entire lives hoping to find themselves mm. and it's not easy. No, it is not. No. It, and it's like I said before, it's quite lonely and isolating mm. as you're going through that process. And I guess these beautiful dogs of yours mm. have. Helped you with that process?
1: It's been really eye-opening. There's a bit of sass about me when it comes to things like this. If somebody tells me something and says you can't do it, Mm -hmm. I'll do it better. Or down that career pathway of the civil construction thing, it was always well, anything the boys can do, I can do better. And if I can't do it better, I'll have a red hot crack. Mm -hmm. Everyone told me that I couldn't, and I was. Constantly told by one particular person in my childhood that I was just never going to be good enough. I was told that I was deluded, I had a warped perception of reality, I needed to be medicated, I needed professional help, and it was just constant. It was it was just constant. I thought I was crazy for so long. And it was it was just drilled into me to the point of where if someone called me crazy. I would turn around and want to throw hands because Mm -hmm. it just triggered me. I was called a dyke growing up like as an an offensive thing and I've just completely taken that power back Mm -hmm. and I own it Mm -hmm. and I love it and I am crazy and I'm crazy passionate about what I do. And now I'm at a point where I'm so proud because I was told that I couldn't do it and if I had to let myself fall into that black hole deep enough, they would have won. Mm -hmm. Every single person who told me no, who told me I wasn't good enough, would have won. I just could not let that happen. So no matter what, I've always clawed my way out of the depths of every situation that I've ever been putting. And I'm so proud of myself for being able to do that. And for now, being able to help other people, especially young women, I'm so big on that, being able to help other young women claw their way out of their current realities to just create something better for themselves. Power to them. All my girls that have ever worked for me will tell you the same thing, that I am like their biggest supporter because I think it's so important to nourish the young female mind and teach them that there's more to life than what they're going through at the moment. And if you're going through something or if something happens to you, you don't have to go through it alone and you can bounce back better than ever. I am the best version of myself that I've ever been. And, you know, every day when we've got
0: shit going on, we have a choice in the moment as to whether we think worse about that situation or think better. It's still the situation in front of us. Correct. It's just there. That's a fact. And we can either think our way along one path, which mm-hmm. often goes a little downwards, mm. or we can bit by bit, it might be 200 times a day, think our way into a little bit better situation.
1: It's so funny that you mentioned that. My car got broken into this week. Oh, no. So what are we? A week before Christmas? Yeah. So on, I think it was the early hours of Tuesday morning, I've come out to my car and the doors open ajar and I just dropped my bag on the sidewalk and went, shit. And I walked over to my car and I opened up the front door and just everything fell out. It was just like my whole glove box, all my sunscreen, like my stubby holders, just everything fell out of my car. And I just sat there and I went, Okay. And it's my own fault. I left my wallet in the car overnight and I don't normally do that. I don't normally carry my wallet, but the one day that I did, they took my wallet, they got a taxi from where I was to a local 7-Eleven and they made like a heap of transactions under $100 and wiped out my everyday account. So I am short a couple thousand dollars a week before Christmas and I just don't care. It's been the strangest experience because I am in a place in my life where money is just money. I can earn it back. They're going to give it back to me anyway because it's a fraudulent thing that's occurred. Out of pocket for Christmas, New Year's. It was just one of those things that I thought, geez, like this would a few months back, like the start of this year, that would have broken me, absolutely would have broken me. And now I'm so comfortable with what's going on that that, that's a blip on the radar. Isn't that incredible when we have a
0: situation happen and you you realise I know what I don't want. I'm not sure what I do want in the moment, but mm. I, I understand that that's not what I want to happen. But being just recognising that and going, oh, okay, well, that's okay. Mm. To be able to look at it so constructively as opposed to being absolutely devastated with situations that we go mm. through is
1: such an important... It's all perspective. It's all relative. I'm now working in one of the busiest tourist towns in Victoria and the next six weeks for me are going to be absolute chaos. Mm-hmm. But something I always tell my staff is if I'm not stressed, you don't need to be stressed because at the end of the day, anything that happens here falls back on me. Mm-hmm. It's a representation of my management. And if I'm not stressed, you don't need to be. Mm-hmm. If I get stressed, well, we could be in trouble, but I don't get stressed because yeah. I have such a sound understanding of one can only do what one is capable of and if you... Are doing your best and you're giving me your best well like I can't ask for more than that yeah
0: I, can't I, I think that's that. a really valuable thing and probably something I had to learn too through mm-hmm. ambulance as well is that it gets a bit wild out there and the jobs are coming in one after the other mm-hmm. but you can only do your very best yeah in that moment that you're in and not taking on all the stress of everything outside of you because you go nuts you just can oh, only it. do. You can't wear it you can do one job at a time so learning that At an early age, fab.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm very grateful and I don't know what sort of higher power gave that to me. I believe that I was put on this journey and I'm on the path that I'm on to be able to spread that awareness and show people that you can do it. You can do it at a young age. You don't have to be... Forty-five or in your seventies, full of regret. You can be twenty-seven and cut your family off and live your best life at a young age. You can not miss out on all the things that you think you're going to miss out on. Like it's just so possible. Like I'm relatively new to this. I'm surprising myself here. But um, <laughs> what are you doing the hell of a job? I know. <laughs> but anything is possible if you put your mind to it, and it's the corniest thing ever. But it's just so true. It is. Absolutely nothing
0: corny. Mm. If you're prepared to look at your belief systems, oh yeah, which are created very soundly when you go through big situations growing up, especially. But if you're prepared to look at those beliefs about that, put them on the table, challenge them Mm. and go, you know what, this doesn't serve me anymore, this belief that I'm not worthy and I'm not good Mm. enough and I'm crazy and all that. Yeah. No, actually, thank you, but no thanks. I'm gonna believe this. Yeah. And in shifting that belief system and your perspective. Changes the absolute trajectory of where you're heading.
1: I'm so big on breaking through that barrier and that norm and that acceptance of what is.
0: What should be. Yeah,
1: that's it. So big on breaking it. Don't have time for it. If someone comes to me, and people come to me a lot with some very random, just obscure things that are happening in their world, I never back down from a challenge to assist and support And because I just think, but like no situation is too big if you have the right support network. Your perspective and your outlook on something can be something someone's never heard yeah, and it will ignite a fire in them. Oh,
0: I totally agree. It could be one or two words that mm. someone says to you.
1: Yeah, game changer.
0: All of a sudden you're off to the left instead of the right. Correct. I believe that 100%.
1: Yeah.
0: Where to for you and your dear little soul?
1: It's so interesting. So what have I had? Ch- I've had chili now for, well, I only just got her when I met you. So I've only had her for four-ish weeks, I think it's been now. I have plans here. The owner and I have got this agreement that this is just going to be a well-oiled machine. And if I'm not learning and I'm at a standstill, I've got to go further. So the- bear in mind there's times where you can pause and enjoy. Oh, yeah. You can pause and enjoy. It's sort of. It's funny trying to find that balance when you're so hungry like I am. I've got big dreams. Every hospitality job I've ever worked in on the side of my full-time job, mm-hmm. has I've always ended up in management. So coming into this just felt natural. But my job feels like a hobby mm-hmm. and I always heard that, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I am just so passionate about making the most out of businesses for people. I love that. My goals are to have my own businesses one day that create safe spaces and healthy work environments for people. I'd love my own non-for-profit and I'd love to be able to give back to people like my housemate that I'm living with at the moment. Yeah. Who is, she has about 10% of her vision, vision. She's legally blind. Okay. So... I would love to be able to give back to people like her who crave that independence, but there's just such a void in the community and within the work, workplace for people like her. Giving back is really big on my radar. Mm-hmm. I don't need to make millions to feel good about what I'm doing with the world. It'd be nice, but it'd be nice to do it in a not-for-profit space as well. I have no doubt that you will achieve everything you've just said, no doubt at all. Success for me isn't measured in dollar signs. It'll be measured in, you know, how well a business runs. Are my staff happy? Am I able to provide for my family, mm-hmm. my family being myself, my partner, my dogs?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Am I able to, you know, comfortably keep a roof over our heads and keep fueling our cars and food on our tables? That's success for me. I'm, I'm just happy doing that. I strive to do the best that I can and build the best that I can running businesses and having happy staff and creating happy people, strong, independent men and women, you know, the queer community, people with disabilities. Like I want to create a safe space for people. Do I just people? And
0: I think in the last few years when there's been a lot of direction to think this way or being told to think that way or do this Mm. or do that, I'm sort of seeing a lot of people say, oh, look, you know, I really want to think for myself here. It's nearly like some of that's been taken away. People are are wanting to, they know what's right for them. And so stepping into that's a really important part of just anyone's life is to be strong about what they believe is right for them. Yeah. And that's not about, you know, harming others in the process. It's just being strong in yourself. And that's that whole thing of coming back to your own heart again.
1: I've already done the hardest. The hardest thing I was ever going to have to do in my life was break away from my family. Yeah. And I did that. Mm -hmm. No option, no road in front of me is too hard to turn down now because I've done the hardest thing I thought I'd ever have to do. And I honestly thought it would take a lot more time and a lot more struggle to get to that point. But I'm grateful that at the time I had a very, very supportive, close inner circle Mm -hmm. who allowed me to feel a small sense of self that allowed me to break away from that. So I've done the hardest thing that I'm ever going to have to do. And now nothing is too hard. Yeah, that's incredible. Breaking away from that norm and the social norm and societal norm that tells me I can't do this or that's a bit taboo or what. It like, My belief system is my belief system. Nothing is impossible now. No opinion that I have or moral judgment that I have the backlash from that is nothing's going to be too hard. I can face it. I know I can face it. And if if people want to go at me for it or for a decision I make or a dream that I have or whatever the case may be, I can face that. It's always
0: just between you and you. Yeah. Isn't it? Like always. in your life, my dreams belong to me, not mm. someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's not for me to put my dream over there for someone else to shuffle through and go, no, sorry, I don't think you should do that or you could do this. No. This is my dream and I own it. And sometimes it's really tricky to mm. have your own dreams and oh, not have yeah. people want to, you know. And I think also sometimes if you put an idea out to someone just to test the waters and they poo-hoo it, mm. it's really easy not to get disheartened. Yeah. But if you know yourself and you're strong in your own desires, yeah, because no one else is living your life. No, that's it.
1: I think, like for me, a big part of... The strong sense of self came from coming away from social media and being online. My online presence now is probably 98% for work and it's like 2%, that very special 2%, I will post or keep for like my family and friends. Mm -hmm. And my family is my chosen family and they're all very special to me but Mm -hmm. I don't spend hours scrolling on social media anymore Has that made a big difference, do you think, for you mentally getting off there? 100%. People have told me my entire life that I'm too much and I get it now that that I have this self-awareness. I understand because my dreams, my drive, my work ethic, my motivations, what I'm striving for is just so big. It's just hard to find people who can match that coming away from social media and not feeling like, you know, sitting there scrolling through people's stories and their photos and getting FOMO and feeling like I'm missing out on this part of my 20s. But I'd never had a childhood. Mm-hmm. And people like, oh, but you got this or, you know, you did that that one year or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but the headspace that that little girl was in was not, like you could have put any present in front of me. could have been the whole world. And the headspace that I was in was not a child's headspace. Every single person I've ever met as I grew up, always said to my parents, oh, she's she's so mature. She's so mature because she had to be. That well, little girl didn't get a childhood. Yeah. To be able to break away from that fear of missing out or from thinking and feeling like I was missing out on festivals and friendships and things like that absolutely changed the game for me. I don't have that anymore. I don't care about any, like, whatever is supposed to come to me will come. And that freedom it's given me by breaking away from social media and keeping my life to my life and not worrying about anyone else.
0: And you know what it does? It keeps you in your lane because when we give our time and energy to everyone's opinions and thoughts and all the hoo-ha, you end up with no energy because you're outputting everywhere else. When you stop that and bring your energy back into yourself, all that that you gave out everywhere now belongs to you. So you've got this whole resource of energy for you to do what you need to do. It's actually a really important thing to understand how much we drain our energy out there to all these other subjects.
1: Someone once told me this, and I was at a very fragile, very delicate part of my life. This was probably one of the biggest things that helped shift my perspective. She said to me, your time is like currency. And when you start to understand that, your whole life will change. Mm-hmm. Your time is so valuable, and if you are giving your time out to people who don't appreciate your presence and your your currency that you're giving them, it's just a waste. Your time is so valuable; it's it's more valuable than money. And I stand by that. And when you start to see your time as currency, like why was I giving my time to people that only wanted to party with me? I wasn't the best version of myself back then. People were abusing the fact that I loved a good time, but I was just masking and drowning myself because it, was, it felt like the only way that I could have friendships was to go out and party and do stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I started viewing my time as currency and saying, no, you're not getting my Friday night anymore, I'm going to do me on a Friday night or, no, you can't have breakfast with me because I know it's only because you want me to buy your breakfast or little things like that, I started viewing my time as currency, my perspective on life and my perspective within the business world completely changed. My time is so valuable. I will not give it out to any Tom, Dick and Harry. I keep it. I reserve it. And I will only give it out to people and to sources that I feel are worthy of my time. And it sounds like for people who aren't in that mindset, it's going to come across as a really arrogant thing. But for people who understand or who want to make that change, when you start viewing your time as currency, it will change your life. My time is valuable. Don't waste it your time is valuable don't Don't waste waste
0: it It. i totally agree and we spend so much time fluffing around for other people and being people pleasers. yeah but all that does is drain you and you've got no time and no energy so the minute you turn that tap off Mm. and put that protection around you and build that safe space to give out your energy and your time like you say yeah your world absolutely changes
1: Granted, Chili, my sweet little Chili the Chihuahua, <laughs> she was she came out of nowhere. I'd always wanted a chi for Demba. I just connected with a breeder really randomly and I said, like, I'm looking for this and she said, I've got one. And I just wasn't expecting it. A couple months ago when I made the decision, I was at a point where my heart was just so ready to let someone else in. Yeah. And I didn't want it to be a person. I wasn't looking to be with a person or with another person or to give my time to another person. I wanted another dog. It had to be another dog. And I was just so ready to have, like, my own little family and this own little network for me to come home to. (laughs) Are you just about right? What is it? It's a pigeon. Okay, guys, so we've got a little pigeon up (laughs) in the ceiling at the moment. I don't even know how that's happened.
0: Flapping around, up there. oh, that's all right. Okay. What they say, you should never work with children or dogs, but we've got the pigeon. We've got the pigeon. The The dog's been a dream. She's been asleep the whole time.
1: I was just so ready to like let that love in. I knew that my time would be appreciated. Like dogs just love you no matter what. I have a good day, they love me. I have a bad day, they love me. If I don't have the mental capacity or the physical capacity to go out and go for a walk, my dog's still going to love me. Whereas at the time, I was to let a person down because I'd had a big day at work. I couldn't handle that. I didn't want to let that disappointment or that sense of just uncertainty into my world. I was happy to do it with a dog, but not with a person that emotional
0: insight where you where you're able to go, yeah, not now. I'd really love the company, but not now, because I can't give into that space.
1: And I've found my footing with these dogs and found my routine with them and just have this really special thing going on and when I wasn't looking I found someone yeah isn't that always the way like I just pop on in told everyone I was having hot girl summer I was having strong independent manager like comes to work does her thing goes home spend her time with her dogs that's what I had planned for that that was my goal and I was going to do it by myself and now I'm doing it with someone else and now look what's happened Mm. it's changed everything and now just in the space of a few weeks I have this routine with this this special person in my life and my babies and it feels like home
0: and now you can just settle into that and really enjoy
1: yeah and it's how beautiful I've met someone who matches me mentally Mm -hmm. emotionally and intellectually but you look at the
0: incredible amount of work that you've done on yourself to lift your energy Mm -hmm. let go of stuff that didn't serve you anymore put boundaries, really strong boundaries in place with people in your life and you vibrated up into this spot and you're Mm. humming along and who comes along? Somebody else in the same space. A hundred percent. How cool is that?
1: I'm really big on if someone or something comes into your life and it doesn't enhance your vibration, wipe your hands clean of it. If you meet somebody and they're not enhancing your vibe and pushing you to be better and do better or supporting like your foundation, If you don't find someone who supports that, who supports the long hours that you're working or supports your dream and your vision to go somewhere, if they're not enhancing that, why give your time to them? Yeah. And out of nowhere, I've got my perfect little world going on in my head and I have my summer (laughs) planned. And instead of meeting someone who challenged me in a negative light, I've accidentally met someone who supports my goal and supports my dream.
0: And that's the cool thing. That's your tribe there. Yeah. Isn't it? It yeah. really
1: is. It's been a game changer and it's very fresh and very new. I've managed to find a good balance at the moment and I've managed to find someone who respects the hustle. Yeah. Essentially. And, look,
0: that'll go both ways for your partner yeah. as well. 100%. You know, you respect whatever her hustle is mm-hmm. and work together on Yeah, creating something really special.
1: I've been really lucky. My dogs are my whole world. My Mm -hmm. world revolves around them and for her to take that on board as well, to take on my career, which is full on, and my little fur family, to just have taken that on board and go, they're my own, this is our world now, let's build something, has just been a game changer for me. There was so long there where I just thought that no one would ever appreciate how full on I was. And now I found someone who is the same, if not more than I am, who is just pushing me to be better. Yeah. It's those people in our lives
0: that we go away and in our quietness and go, okay, so why am I being triggered by that? Mm-hmm. I want to be a better person. I want to work out why I'm why I'm crapped off with what they have just said, or mm-hmm. they've triggered something in me. What is it? that I haven't healed yet. Mm. And you go away and you sort that shit out mm-hmm. and you come back into that partnership and go, thanks for the teaching. I've just learned something about myself again because of this triggering.
1: My previous relationship, which I wasn't going to speak about but it feels necessary, my previous relationship was very eye-opening and life-changing for me because that was like my coming out mm-hmm. essentially. It didn't end well. It didn't end awfully either. It wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. But the lesson that was there is so valuable. That time period in my life has opened a whole new door for me. It helped me find self-worth and independence and structure and drive and helped me break away from that normality of fitting into a family that I absolutely loathed being a part of. And I believe it now for the first time in my life that when you're not looking, that when you're not looking, it'll come.
0: And I I believe as well that it's always about when you're in your best self and you're creating that really busy, active life for yourself, Mm -hmm. that's a very attractive thing for somebody else. Oh, yeah. And vibrationally, you're happy on your own Mm. and they just happen to pop on by and go, oh, I'm happy on my own too. Do you want to catch up? Like here we are both being happy on our own, but let's be happy together. Yeah. That's a vastly different idea than expecting someone to come in and make you happy.
1: Even if something happened now, and I'm not putting this out into the universe, but even if something happened now, I know I could come away from this relationship and still be happy with what I went through and what I've learned and the connection that was there and, you know, the memories we made in that short amount of time. I know and I'm comfortable enough within myself to know that I can break away from that and still kick absolute goals mm-hmm. in life. I'm just so I'm so happy on my own. She's just enhancing Yeah, what's already there. Yeah, she's just, I've got the foundation and she's just there riding the wave with me and I love that. I've never had that before in my life. I've never felt that way about anyone.
0: That's amazing. Like Mm -hmm. you're just kicking goals every other day here.
1: Trying to live the dream, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Living the dream. Living the dream. Living the dream. That's probably the first time I can say it and actually mean it. But, (laughs) yeah, no, I am.
0: Before we wrap this up then for today, this has just been Absolutely inspiring to talk to you. If you knew that Denver could hear you, what would you want to say to him?
1: I just have an overwhelming sense of gratitude for that dog because he felt my anxieties when I felt them. He felt my bad days. He rode that wave with me and I just have an insane sense of gratitude for that little boy. Mm -hmm. He is my whole world. And I love him so deeply. It's just thank you. Thank you for being my biggest support. I know you can't talk to me. And if you could, you'd probably question a lot of stuff that I do behind closed doors. And that's fine. I'm sure he looks at me sometimes and thinks I'm crazy, singing in the shower and all sorts of shit. It's just an insane sense of gratitude for his presence in my life and for getting that phone call from his breeder one day. He was meant to come in my life when he did. And he was a big turning point for me. I was in a bit of a rut and it gave me purpose being a dog mum and I took him and just started thriving. Wow. I felt like he gave me my life back. He gave me the the hours in the day that I didn't know what to do with, he gave them back to me because I spent them with him. Mm. The time I'd spend alone scrolling through social media, I didn't have to do that anymore because we would go to the park, go for a run, go for a hike. I'm so thankful that. I am I got him and that I'm his mum. Yeah, that's just absolutely beautiful. And this little chilli here. This little one's given me a new appreciation for life, haven't you? You've just really shown mummy that there's more to life than existing and having dogs for fun. Yeah. Bringing her on board created a real sense of family for me. And I don't like, I've never had that. I'm mm-hmm. really, I've like, I've had my friends' families and I have my chosen family, but I don't have a consistent like tradition every year that I do with like this one group of people. But having my dogs around and bringing her on the scene has just created this little family, this little sense of family. She's given me that extra puzzle piece that has just completed that vision for me. And with or without a partner by my side, I have my little family.
0: It's a stunning story. And like I said, it's so inspirational. And I'm so pleased that we.
1: Well, I, I still can't believe we met. It's just the craziest thing. It was meant to be you and I meeting on the corner that day. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I just saw in you this this absolute glow of energy, and I'm like, I've just got to talk to this girl. There's something really incredible here.
1: And I opened up to you like straight away about my background. It just came out of nowhere. No <laughs> so stranger on the street. <laughs> a stranger on the street, and it just came out of nowhere that that yeah I have this story and my dogs are such a big part of it and bringing joy to other people is is so important to me thank you I'm
0: quite more of your everythingness I think you're incredible and you'll
1: just continue to kick goals it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you and create something that hopefully someone else listening to will appreciate or even you know take advice from so thank you for being my guest today